Spike Hill, After Dark. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the mean streets of New York City and their many rent-controlled apartments. This is the Kill by Kill After Dark podcast, where we talk about uh, some erotic and unerotic thrillers in the hopes that uh, if someone gets to have sex, we'll at least enjoy watching it. And of course, there's only one person I trust that if uh, I bring home a puppy and she's not around to appreciate it, I can just kick it out of the way. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Just heat that puppy right out the window. Just like you're in my way, right underneath it, scoop it with the foot, and woo! It's a very delicate kick. <laughs> uh, but one I appreciate. Uh, it really uh, brings this movie alive. Yes, it does. It's a, in, I like, um, let's just come right out and say, it. this is a Jennifer Jason Lee safe zone. Yes. This is where you come to worship JJL. She, she cannot do any wrong in our eyes. She honestly cannot, and she certainly does not in here. I mean, she is fucking laser focused. As the kids say, she understood the assignment, and she is fantastic in this motion picture. Yeah, it's, it's, she definitely raises the genre. And there have been so many young woman makes friends with a creepy girl who takes over her life movies, and and mm-hmm. and I think this is on the the far better end of of that genre i mean it does get very silly towards the end of the movie but generally speaking as far as building the tension and and Mm -hmm. the performances in it 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 kind of elevates it a bit yeah i i i feel like this is very well directed there's a lot of style going on here um barbette schroeder I just never feels like this is too silly to make into. No, he's very respectful of of the material, and only Mm -hmm. I say only once or twice does it kind of veer into being lurid and and campy. Right, but generally, it's oddly it treats Jennifer Jason Leigh's character, and again, this is as much a credit to her performance because I don't think she's capable of giving a bad performance, and Mm -hmm. and always having this sort of very. I don't want to use the word relatable. She's not relatable in this movie. She's grounded, but but she doesn't feel like she's from outer there's space. There's a certain she there's is, a certain level of humanity that she gives to all of her performances, and and I think that the audience is conflicted at times as to how they feel about her. No, no she's legitimately wronged in a sense. She like, yeah, she has res- a, up to a certain point. She has a good point. about why i mean right before she she eats the puppy out the window she she has a pretty good and valid reason for being angry at bridget fonda and the situation Mm -hmm. that that she is put in it's just her reactions like anger and resentment are entirely within the response wheel of what she's presented with at that point in, in the motion picture it's just that what you don't know is that she will go well beyond that point. There's no stopping point for her in the way she reacts to being wronged. And on the flip side of it, you have Bridget Fonda, who, you know, I'm a little conflicted about as a screen presence because I feel so often she was presented with these 
here's the attractive lady role. And there are times in which he rises to that occasion and times that she doesn't. But here, I feel like her hapless energy really works to the advantage of the character where she's had some ups and downs, but what she isn't good at is sort of standing up for herself. And so she allows a multitude of people to overstep their bounds with her. And as a result, her, uh, you know, inability to deal with the escalation of this person who is living within her apartment is becomes believable. And yes, it gets to a campy level, but I think it's a, a an interesting form of uh, casting to put both of these women at this point in their careers in these roles. Well, and I was saying, you said that you you thought that this movie is very well directed, and and I agree with you yeah. there. And I think in the best way possible, and and I, and I said this to you uh, when we were chatting before we started, is that mm-hmm. this movie is just early '90s distilled to its its mm-hmm. most basic elements. I felt oddly yeah. soothed by watching this movie at times because like the, 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 you know, you know, the title card, you know, the, the opening credit, you, you font was very early nineties. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack yeah. is very early nineties. You've got that, that, uh, Gregorian chant fuck music in one scene <laughs> because at some point generation X decided, well, we're fucking the Gregorian chants now. <laughs> Listen, kids, what kids love are monks, monks in unison. <laughs> like at one point, that was a real music movement. And then you got the, <laughs> you got the end credits about this, this wonderful piece of music with, with vocals by Chrissy, Chrissy Hind in it. And, and, mm-hmm. and again, it's just, it's very, it's very evocative of the time and the way these characters dress. I actually was a little unnerved at times because some of the ways that Hedra is dressed, I dressed like that circa 1992. Like the, um, the, this is not that far removed from like the kind of, it, they're a little bit older than we would have been at the time, but not but by much. You're still, but not by much. And it was still a monoculture at that point. Right. So where, when she's got that little, the little, like little hat, with the baggy dress, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> There's still a unitard thing happening, a velvet unitard. You know, the the <laughs> you know, the, the perky little 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 romper with the shoes, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and and the browns. Lots oh, of browns, the browns. Lots of browns. Lots of beige. Oh the lots of the wide brim hats yeah. that just everyone wore that I now look at with resentment. <laughs> Uh, every every piece of clothing that Stephen Weber owns and how perfect his hair uh, is. Jesus Christ. Stephen Weber. Stephen Weber's hot. He man. is, but he's Fuck. such a fucking asshole in it. And and he and, is, but because he's so hot, it's like, yeah, he treats me terribly, but I'm looking at this. Like that it seems believable to me. Well, it, it's, it's believable in you. the sense that Bridget Fonda's character, Allie is she, she's spineless. She, she doesn't, right. she doesn't really, even when she tries to stand up to people, it's very tentative. She looks kind of embarrassed and unsure of herself. You know, when, when, when mm-hmm. Tobo is trying to get a BJ <laughs> off of her, she's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Gee, gosh, you know, I mean, she just, you know, again, she seems co- sort of, you know, you sort of like feels bad for turning him down. You know? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's such a wonderful business opportunity. <laughs> oh god. For this for this baffling <laughs> software that she that she uses it for fashion design that I, I wasn't I, I wasn't quite like, is she converting fashion into Robocop? Yeah, I don't I, understand. I, it. it was sort of like, yeah, well, well, here's this software I've created that will show you what certain what other what what fabrics will look like on certain pieces of clothing. I'm like, all right, I guess that would be useful. I, I guess. But yeah, so but to get back to Steven Weber's character and how up to a point uh, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character Hetty has, you know, she's sort of justified in her anger mm-hmm. is that, you know, he's a kind of the older man who Allie is dating and, and he's, you know, fresh out of a divorce or is he? <laughs> mm-hmm. That That is unclear. And, you know, he's still boning the ex-wife from time to time. And so, yeah. you know, Allie, you know, gathers up some gumption and breaks up with him, but he's still trying to get mm-hmm. her back. And, you know, she bonds with her new roommate, Hetty, who's desperate for friendship and companionship. And and then, you know, after a you know, you you fair amount of please, baby, just give me one more chance. She does. And they're like, well, I guess we gotta kick Hetty out. And, right. and she just they moved in like a that. month ago. And, and, <laughs> and specifically asked when she moved in, like, please don't tell me that this guy's coming back into your life because I don't want to come in here, move in all this stuff. She just bought you know, a whole bunch him. of new furniture. I know. Cause the, Oh, Jesus Christ. I, this is where you're kind of like, yeah, she is justified to get pissed off. She's not justified to start murdering people, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. This is, it's an interesting movie because it's, you know, in, in, you know, it has, in where they could have played this character, Hetty as, you know, kind of a, uh, uh, I, I would compare it maybe to like uh, Glenn Close in in Fatal Attraction, which I, I I imagine we'll get to that eventually. Although I have thoughts on that yeah. too. Uh, yeah, that's that would be an interesting one to revisit. I don't know. We 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 have to like uh, it, it's you want to kind of play the unsuccessful against the successful. <laughs> so we don't we don't want to have all bull you know take all the bullets out of our gun. Although there's a lot of quote unquote erotic thrillers. Oh yeah. 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 But I think that, you know, the audience is made to sort of feel like they don't really know how to feel about these characters. You know, Allie, they're complex. I mean, Allie has let her down. You know, she, she has deceived her. She promised her that she would not be kicked out of this apartment. And then, I mean, we've all, you know, look, every single one of us has had a friend who was in a relationship we knew was bad for them. They mm-hmm. break up with the person and they cry on your shoulder. And it's not even like a, you know, potential romantic thing or a roommate situation. It's just this person uses you for a soundboard when they break up with this person and then they get back together and, and just, you know, and now you're, you know, that friend that they talk to on occasion when they you know need something. Right. You can't, you can't talk people out of being in love. There's just an, an emotion that they have. And to a certain extent, it's uncontrollable. Um, and and I think that's a situation everyone finds themselves in and has made bad decisions. These things are okay. Allie has a, a bit of a uh, boundary crossing problem herself. So I think to a certain degree, she's like the perfect person for Hetty to kind of prey upon at a certain point. But I also don't know that Hetty was necessarily looking to do this no and and the, and the, and the movie makes it very clear that both of these women are they're very lonely 
Like like at yeah. the at the beginning of the of the movie, Allie points out that she is relatively new to the city. She doesn't have any friends yet. You know, the only friend she has is her boyfriend, which is probably not a good idea. Um, right. You know, and and Hetty is new in town too. She's very shy, and you you sort of see like they're almost at different levels. Like Allie is at the point where she is about ready to, you know, burst onto the scene. You know, she's very pretty. She's very outgoing. She's very stylish. She, she, she just has to get that, that, you know, that foot in the door as she can make it, you know, you, she can make the city her own. She can make it, you know, she can make it there. She can make it anywhere. Whereas <laughs> you, you have no idea what Hetty is doing in New York. She is, she is a tiny, she's a very, she's very mousy. You know, she does not enjoy leaving her house much unless, unless she's dressed like Allie, which she does later in the movie. But right. you know, they both have something that the other one wants where, you know, Allie needs a shoulder to cry on. She needs companionship. She probably kind of wants a sister, and yes. you know, and Hetty definitely wants a sister, as she you know makes abundantly clear because she <laughs> she has this sister who she you know she says that the you know, the sister died at birth. We actually find out later she died in an accident. I do you think that the movie is trying to imply that 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 Hetty has something to do with that, or was it? Do you think it was just a, a, like a legit accident? I the movie is leaving it very uh, you know. Uh, it's leaving it up to the audience. It really wants that mystery around it. It's obviously alluding to that could be a possibility. Um, either is really an okay thing. Like how I, I just, I don't know that Hetty to my mind is like some sort of evil twin that. No, I, I, think, I think, is, think that, is too I think that the, the sister's death was an accident and basically Hetty's brain broke. Right. And that's completely understandable to a certain degree, you know, like she has this connection that can never be replaced. And then she feels like she's sort of made a connection to that degree. And in her mind, she escalates it to this crazy level where like, if you can't make decisions for yourself, I will make them for you as you. And that is how she sort of proceeds throughout the rest of the the motion picture. Well, it's also, it plays to different audience fears, which I thought, you know, maybe this is how I saw it, where you are, you know, some people are afraid that they will make a friend who turns out to be too needy, too clingy. And then there are some people who are afraid that they are that friend (laughs) who is, you know, and, and this is something that, you know, not to get too deeply personal these days. So these are, you know, overall very silly movies, but some of them, you know, are trying for something, you know, a, a little bit, you, you know, above the level, which I think this is trying is, you know, I am the type of person who is so worried about appearing needy and clingy that I swing too far to the other, in the other direction and don't mm. reach out to people. And then they think that I do not want to be friends with them. So, you know, I, there have been friendships that I have have unfortunately have kind of, you know, petered out because I didn't want to, you know, quote unquote, impose myself on people. And so this is kind of, you know, you makes you worry. It's like, am I worried about having this kind of friend or am I worried about being this kind of friend (laughs) or giving the impression that I am this kind of friend? 
Yeah. You're, you're, you're not experiencing, and I've done this myself, you're experiencing the friendship only through your end of it rather than ex- actually experiencing the friendship. Like I've been th- that in the past, that sort of desperate friend who uh, just like, I, this is good for me. I enjoy the interaction we have and I just don't want to lose it at any cost. And that air of, I need this, um, can ruin a friendship to right. a degree, I mean, as can the opposite. Right, because it's it all depends on, you know, sometimes you just you just have people that, you know, cannot give you what you need, which is, you know, even, you know, the most basic things in a friendship, you know, a shoulder to cry yeah. on, you know, a minute to listen to your problems. Some people can't give that, and you you don't know until you, you, you try to test those waters. And sometimes it can go it's badly. Weird. Yeah. It's, a bit, it's one of those things that actually takes a, a give and take to actually have a friendship. And you can find yourself in an experience where you're the giver, the giver, the giver, or the taker, the taker, the taker. And most friendships don't last under those conditions. They, they're, they're, they just become too stressful uh, as a situation. There needs to be a back and forth when it comes to that sort of thing. And uh, this is taking that idea and then writing it large in a genre way on top of it being also, here's a lot of really attractive people and Stephen Tobolowsky <laughs> who appear, again for the second time. in after dark, we have a skinny skeleton wearing uh, clothes so large for him. So voluminous, but like he's, he's stolen costumes from the, you know, the nutty professor. It's just wild. I mean, he he clearly thinks he's in. sexy. He does. And maybe this is the sexiest he's ever been. It's quite possible. <laughs> Certainly sexier here than he was in Mississippi burning. Well, you know, yes. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, before he became known as a comedy guy, like Stephen Tobolowski was the guy you don't trust. Yeah. Uh, like they, who's going to, yeah. The kind of, you know, you vaguely to overtly skeevy guy. Yes. Um, so he, he found a second act for himself. That's always nice. Um, but then you also have, you know, Allie's relationship with her gay upstairs neighbor. Um, and, to a degree, like she's overstepping that boundary all the time. She's always dumping all this. Yeah, stuff you never hear he, you never him. hear him talking about his own problems with her. He's just right. sort of like He's this, a, like you know, smiling and nodding voice of reason for her. And he's kind of like, oh, I haven't really had a lot of luck in love. And she blows it off like, Oh, you'll be fine. It's kind of like, well, maybe listen to him. Like he hasn't. It's not just. Uh, it's something to scoff off that he feels that he is lonely. He might not find a soulmate. He hasn't been finding the right guy to hang out with. And she really doesn't give that a lot of thought here. She just plays it off. And um, you can, you, that's where you kind of go, Allie, <laughs> wake up, honey. <laughs> you, you've got, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, exercise some thought and care into your relationships. And she's just not there emotionally. And that's one of the things that Hetty totally takes advantage of. Right. And it's, it's also as far as the, you know, well-directed aspect of the, of the movie, it, it really, speaking from personal experience, 
New York City is very unkind to 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 shy people and mm-hmm. to people who are you know a bit hesitant to make new friends. And mm-hmm. I think every single person in this movie is desperately lonely, and and I think yeah. that that comes across really well here like we uh, the, the only character i mean the, the the only male character in the movie that's any kind of where decent is 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 graham her upstairs neighbor but you mm-hmm. you never see any of these people with anybody else it's it's right. you know it's always they're always and they're always at home they're always at home all the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they they're they're constantly they're either at home or at their jobs. And I think that's one of the ways they were able to make such a low budget movie at the time. Like it it's made for sixteen million and it ends up making like a hundred and eighty million. Yeah, this is a big deal. It was a big deal. This was a Did huge you know movie. there was a sequel some years ago? <laughs> uh yes. And I will have to say that I do kind of like the roommate, which is basically a ripoff of this oh there's been a ton uh, of ripoffs of this you're not not quite with the the exact structure but definitely the you know girl makes friends with another girl and you know the girl takes her life over yes i mean the roommate has the whole like going to a club and seeing yourself sequence it's like straight out of this um that is cheesy as hell uh they but that can also be fun but here there's a level of stylishness to everything um that just kind of carries the movie and you know weirdly um there's a there's a some level of eroticism to this but it always feels like everyone's in control of how they're seeing i mean jennifer jason Lee is rather fearless when it it kind of comes to this open vulnerability on screen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unsettling to watch because it's a little you know, and you know when you when you see certain actors just have a meltdown on screen, it's sort of like you know that could be me if I didn't hold it together, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, I mean she she puts one hundred fifty percent to every performance, and that's really amazing to see, particularly in something like this, which. You know, she just could have been a playing a straight monster in it, but you know, she yeah. goes out of her way to make her seem you know, very human, which is you know why when they when they do get into this absurd, drawn out, knockdown, drag out fight at the end of the movie, it's kind of silly because you know <laughs> now she's Jason Voorhees, where where you know she gets stabbed, <laughs> she gets shot, she takes a you know a metal hook to her back and and. You know, uh, I'm not excited, but she has a screwdriver to the bat, to, to the spine, and it still takes her a long time to die. And she's a tiny little woman. I mean, you know, she could have picked her up and thrown her out a window or something. I mean, it, it should have, it should yeah. have taken that much to kill her. And I feel like, you know, by the end of the movie, they decide, oh wait, we have to make this into a slasher movie, which is a, which is the which is the mistake they made. And I like. Fatal Attraction a lot. I, I feel very different about it now than I than I did when I saw it as a teenager, but it really mm. fucked itself with that ending. If they if they yes. had kept the original ending, it would have just been so much more of a you know, just really taking this genre and and you know turning it on its head. Yeah. It, it gives a redemption arc to someone who doesn't deserve a redemption. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. Whereas Allie is not nearly in the wrong 
as Michael Douglas ever gets. No, she's she's just picture. she's callow. She doesn't stand up to the right people. You know, she she you know, has trouble for whatever reason. I, I don't know why they are in such a hurry to get married, and and why it's yeah. it's you know it, it's imperative that he move back in with her. There's just there's a lot of you know control issues happening from on both sides between you know with Hetty and with her boyfriend where mm-hmm. there's no you know well you have to decide if you want to live with keep living with Hetty or if you want to you know you move into a new place with me and it's like well why do I have to decide this I have this rent controlled apartment which is fucking amazing I mean yeah. the building's a dump to be sure <laughs> but the apartment itself my god heaven I mean, I, I can't yeah, even I dragging. can't even guess how much that would cost in today dollars. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be you know able to afford it being a software designer and working at a bookstore. I think I think right. Hetty does. Is the bookstore that 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 uh, Hetty works at is the same bookstore that's featured in you? It might be. It sure it really looks like it. it it's it, I almost think like you, you know took that on as iconography because it certainly looks that way. No, uh, speaking of control, like the, the scene that I think everyone kind of remembers from the, the movies when Hetty impersonating Allie basically seduces Sam when he isn't aware of whom he is having sex with because she is now has a haircut that gives the impression that she is Allie and as a young person seeing it, I had one way of viewing that scene. And now the consent issues are so di- like, it is a really complex scene that plays out in very weird ways. And then on top of it, you know, Steven Weber ends up, you know, spiked by a she high kills heel. kills him with a shoe. <laughs> it's awesome. It's pretty great. It's fan fucking tastic. It's just one of the best kills in cinema history. Yeah, it's just like, what a, what a creative weapon. <laughs> and so meaningful to what's going on because this is the pair of shoes that they share. Like, I feel like there's a lot of thought going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Now, when we, we, when we talked about Jade two weeks ago, there was zero thought going on it, it just read like someone on a on a cocaine bench go okay and this happens and then and and then this this one person gets run over by a car and then they go on a big chase through san francisco and they just like okay well i guess we'll make that movie where it's here it feels like no they've decided what kind of movie this is it's a a warped sort of version of vertigo and then we're gonna have this big drawn out third act battle in the basement where you know Allie's most afraid of the basement and you know it just it works man it fucking works yeah and and I and I think the interesting thing is up to a certain point uh Hetty is doing this is because she thinks she is helping Allie you know she 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 thinks and is probably correct that that this guy Sam is no good not for not for Allie at least and figures well if I have sex with him you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be down with that. And maybe he would have yeah. been, I mean, I think he was just more mad that she tricked him, but yes. you know, I think that she just gone right, ahead. Cause and, he wants to be in control right. and she took control. And I think him. that she just gone ahead and just hit on him. He would have been all right with it. You know, but, but yeah, she yeah, yeah. did that to try to, you know, say, see here, see, he's a dog. I told you. 
Yeah, yeah. And not not just no. because she wants uh, to stay in the hotel, but because she cares about her. Or stay in the hotel, yeah, not stay in the, yeah. stay in the apartment. Jesus, <laughs> hotel apartment. It Who looks can like tell a hotel. Kind of My God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and this movie has a lot of fantastic suspense sequences, and I think the kills are really fun. It plays out in a more successful thriller. You're, you understand every point of view, and not that, weirdly enough, you kind of vacillate on Hetty as, as far as whether or not you're okay with how crazy she's become, because you liked her at one point, and she does pull this crazy backflip of a maneuver to become this other character and uh it's really fun to watch like i i was a little dreading that it might not hold up but it absolutely yeah does. i think it does i i you know i think it's pretty solid yeah uh so i think we've reached that stage where we decide we're gonna choose our own sex venture and that is where we decide who's the most erotic character in the entire motion picture uh, Gina, what say oh my you? God. I don't like any of them, dude. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Graham's okay, but he wouldn't be into me. So, right. I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I really, you know, I, I really enjoyed Hetty's clothing and, and I, that's totally narcissistic of me because like I said, that was how I dressed a lot back in the early nineties. But she's into that Gina. So yeah, you know, I, I'd, I'd be all right with a little cuddle, little cuddle sesh with, 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 with Hetty <laughs> before things get crazy. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not a long-term relationship in my mind. It might be different from her, but if you walk away from this motion picture, not wanting to just have a makeout sesh with JJL, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Like the only competition is Steven Weber's hair. Like (laughs) that is on point. Again, Steven Weber, attractive man, uh, turns out to be a very good actor. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? Wings, everybody. The, the idea that this was his like cinematic <laughs> revelation after wings. He gets a BJ is, on screen. Yeah, good for him. A much and a much more accurate BJ than we saw in oh, Jade. Yes. So we're up on yeah, the Yeah, I, I would say the sex scenes in this, you while while not as few and not nearly as graphic, are way better. Female masturbation on screen very rarely seems to happen. Male masturbation almost always viewed as comedy. Here, female masturbation is viewed as alluring, and and you know you get this voyeur uh, sort of feeling while watching it, and that just goes to show you have a director and performers on screen who have all decided what they want to do, and they make it come alive. It just, I, I to me, this is an erotic thriller. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, where can people find you on these here internets, Gina? I write about movies and television at thespool.net and I am on Twitter and Instagram under Gina does things at G E N A does things. Do it today. People check it out. You can find us on the Twitters on all the social medias, the Facebook group. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of the conversation. Um, we have our Patreon uh, where you can help contribute to the show. If you're up the $5 level or higher, you're getting two shows of one a month. Uh, one show, uh, which we're recording this much in advance, but we're going to have our, our listeners choice in the middle of the month. And at the end of November, we will have Halloween two commentary for you. So that's two shows 
Um, and uh, of course, we have the t-shirt shop where we have lots of cool new t-shirts designs for you to peruse. Please uh, buy some. Uh, but don't worry, folks. Uh, the body count will continue next week. It's not only Thanksgiving. It's Saw's giving. That's right. The show we said we'd never do again was too popular last year to not do again. So we are bringing back Saw's giving. We're going to watch a Saw movie without any context to it, not seeing anything in between the last Saw movie we saw and seeing what we can see in in the Saw, I guess. We're going to debase ourselves yet again for your pleasure. What part of Jigsaw's dawn will we see this time? Who can say? Um, but we will talk about it with you. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.